it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it there's no failure no fault there's no sin you don't already know so let the truth be told. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to graduation. Most of you are familiar with our speaker today. The Reverend Charles Ashley has served as pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church in Weldon Spring, Missouri, for over 22 years. Previously, Pastor Chuck taught junior high and Lutheran schools in both Addison and Collinsville, Illinois. Chuck and his wife Mary have been married for 33 years and have been blessed with five sparkling children. Reverend She is also the author of the best-selling prayer book, Good Morning and Good Night, Lord. He is a sought-after speaker and through the power of God's word has made a great impact in many places both near and far. And back in the 80s, he was a backup dancer for Cindy Lauper. And in the 90s, was a daytime soap opera star. You might remember him as a leading man on days of our lives. Please help me in welcoming our speaker, Pastor Chuck Flee. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you uh, for those kind words and that fine introduction, Dr. Mueller, mostly which I wrote. <laughs> I also wish to thank the administration for the invitation uh, to offer this commencement address. Graduates, it truly is an honor to speak to you on such an important moment and accomplishment in your lives. Most commencement speakers say something along those lines, you know. Uh, you've been there. Typically, graduation speeches are something that listeners, uh, you know, just have to endure in order to get to the good stuff. Hardly any of what is said is memorable. However, there was a time, it was June of 2005 to be precise, when the words from the speaker left quite an impression. The setting was Stanford University, and the speech was delivered by none other than the man behind Apple Computers, Steve Jobs. It's a pretty good speech. Uh, many people consider it to be one of the best ever, and you can get on your Apple computer and you can read it for yourself. However, near the conclusion were these two paragraphs, which have almost become like scripture in the minds of some people. No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it, and that is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It's life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. Right now, the new is you. But someday, not too long from now, you will gradually be cleared away. Too. Sorry to be so dramatic, but it is quite true. 
your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. And the crowd loved it. Uh, the audience ate it up. Shane Pruitt writes, it was this, as if Jobs reached out with an actual apple for every graduate there, and he said, eat this. And they did, every bite. And I have to admit, there's some truth in there, but there's also a lie that has poisoned and continues to poison the minds of the smart and the not so smart and everybody in between. He prefaced it with the phrase, and most important, and then he gave it to him. One of the oldest lines in the book, follow your heart. Follow your heart. <laughs> How many times have you heard that one? <laughs> well, seems like, you know, good advice, uh, you know, and a lot of people are buying it. I mean, follow your heart comes with its own line of merch. I mean, shirts, posters, coffee mugs, you name it. Uh, Well-meaning people offer this cliche when counseling a friend or a loved one who is seeking out some help. And they say something like this. At the end of the day, you just need to do what your heart tells you. Sound familiar? As though your heart is this perfectly trustworthy guide that will never lead you astray. Oh, if only that were true. The problem is, it isn't. To quote Shane Prude again, Follow your heart reads like a fortune cookie in a bad Chinese buffet restaurant. Uh, culture tells us that this is the ultimate determining factor in making decisions. What is your heart telling you to do? Unfortunately, this statement has also made its way into the church's vernacular. And like many of the other common lies from which we need to find freedom, this one, too, is completely unbiblical. Not only is this lie unbiblical, but it's also just really, really bad advice. Now, I don't believe for one minute that uh, this cliche is given with any ill intent, not at all. It comes from well-meaning people who are trying to give helpful advice. Maybe they don't know what to say. I don't know. But if you, if you break down the sentence, it really doesn't make much sense at all. You take the word follow. What does it mean? A following implies that something or someone is going to lead me. Follow your heart. According to the statement, what's going to lead me is my heart. Not necessarily the four-chambered organ inside my chest, but my feelings and my desires, my wishes and emotions are going to be my guide. Well, do you see where this will lead? I'll tell you. 
It's not good. It's actually harmful. My guide is going to be my own feelings and emotions? Uh, no thank you. Because my feelings change all the time. Uh, feelings fluctuate given the situation. Emotions are, are fickle. Our hearts are undependable. You know it, I know it, Katy Perry knows it. You're hot, then you're cold. You're yes and you're no. You're in and you're out. You're up and you're down, right? You're wrong when it's right. And scripture will back her up. God's word has so much to say on this one. But let me just give you a couple Scooby snacks this morning. Jeremiah 17, 9. Here it is. I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? Proverbs 28, 26, pretty clear. He, she, who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Let me go back to Jesus' words. For from within, out of the heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. That's bad stuff. All these evils come from the inside and make us unclean. Okay, translation, here it is. Very simple. Don't follow your heart because your heart is a terrible, terrible guide. Our hearts are in such terrible condition because of the original apple. Sin entered the world and into the heart of all mankind, just passed down from one generation to the other, all because Adam and Eve followed their hearts. But Satan counseled the first couple to go where their hearts would lead them. And they took the bait. They swallowed it up. They ignored God's word, and they, didn't, they basically didn't trust him. No, they followed their own heart, their own feelings, their own ways, and it ruined them and us all from the inside out. Original sin has infected us all. The apple turned out to be poison. And you know, Satan continues to offer poison apples today. Go with your feelings. Do what you think is best. Make sure you look out for yourself. Get your needs met. Whatever makes you happy, follow your heart. Oh, it's tempting stuff. Satan lies, but, but I'll tell you the truth is that no one lies to us more than our own hearts. If our hearts are a compass, then they're Jack Sparrow compasses. And they don't point north. They don't tell the truth. They just tell us what we want. They only point us to what we desire most in this world. A selfish treasures in all of its various forms. Sin is the most natural thing that we do. We dare not trust our hearts. 
our hearts will not lead us to where we need to go. Our hearts cannot save us. Rather, we need to be saved from our hearts. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. Our hearts were not made to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe and follow something outside of ourselves, God. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can save us. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus counseled his followers and he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, uh, no, we don't. And Jesus said, I'm it. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Jesus is the way. We follow him. See, God did not send us a list to follow. God did not send us a, a map and say, well, do the best you can to get there, and maybe I'll see you in my house someday. No, he did not. What he said is, follow me. You see, it's about relationship, not rule following. Rule following cannot save you. Jesus is your Savior. And he's not only interested in your eventual destination, but very much also interested in your journey in the here and now. This is important. Andy Stanley offers this illustration. I want you to think of it like this. He says, <coughs> excuse me, I could give you directions to my house. I could give you a map to my house. Or I could say, why don't you get in your car? I'm going to pull around. Then you can follow me. You might respond, uh, but which way are we going? Just follow me. Are we going on the interstate? Just follow me. Which exit are we going to take? Just follow me. I know where I'm going, and I won't lose you or leave you behind. And so the journey would begin when I turn left, you would turn left. See, you would obey the directions by following a person. You get it? When I turn right, you turn right. You do what I do, and eventually you would arrive at my house. But your focus would be on me. Moment after moment, Mile after mile after mile, you would be totally dependent upon me. Not your heart, not which way you think is best, not your feelings. You'd be dependent upon me to lead you and get you home. I would have your undivided attention. But like I said, God's great goal for you is not to just eventually get you to end up in the right place. 
it is very much about this forever relationship, and it's, it's in the here and in the now. Uh, that's why he removed the barrier that was between us. He took care of our a gigantic sin problem for us, and that's why the cross, that's why the empty tomb. See, we could not get anywhere. No, we could not get anywhere without him first restoring us and giving us a new heart and a new spirit. Jesus totally fulfilled this, this, uh, this promise in Ezekiel for us and for all who believe and are baptized in his name. What this saying is, we were dead, dead, dead. No heart at all. Nothing but dry bones. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and that's good news. You see who's doing all the work? He's doing all the work. He's doing all the saving. Oh, our hearts cannot save us, but Jesus can and he did. Jesus lived the life that we just can't do. We just can't live it the way we're supposed to because he lived it perfectly. Perfectly followed every command. He never faltered, not once, never failed, never. And then he not only lived the life that we should live, he also died the death that we had coming. That cross wasn't his cross, it's your cross. We were lost. You know where we were heading? Straight on our way to Satan's house. That's where we were heading. But Jesus sacrificed himself. He became our ransom. He freed us from the grip of Satan, and through his resurrection, he defeated death. He made the way home for us. He restored us, and, and through baptism, we are connected to Christ. He cleansed us from the inside out, and he has given us his spirit, and it changes everything. We've been made new. In fact, God calls us holy, when he sees you, he sees Jesus. So we're holy in his sight. We are precious in his sight. We are treasures to him. We are beloved in God's sight. This is the gospel. It's not about following your heart. And it's not about following rules as if you could. It's about following Jesus from death to life. There's a poster 
And it hangs on the back side of my office door, and I, I love it. It's a story is what it is, and I got it from a friend who gave it to me because she knows how much I like it, and there's uh, probably a good chance that you've heard it before, but it's called The Tale of the Two Wolves. One evening, an old uh, grandfatherly Cherokee uh, was telling his grandson about this battle that uh, goes on inside all people, and he said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside all of us. And one is evil. It's anger. And it's jealousy. And it's doubt and sorrow and regret and arrogance and fear and self-pity and guilt and resentment and false pride and lies and ego. The other wolf is good. It's joy. It's peace and kindness and faithfulness and empathy and generosity and, and forgiveness and truth and compassion. And the grandson thought about this for a minute and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old man simply replied, the one that you feed. And that's really good advice. Feed your heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus by feeding on his word. You follow Jesus by feeding your heart in prayer and in this, this ongoing communication with him throughout the day. Follow Jesus by feeding your heart in worship, by hearing his word to you and receiving it gladly and saying, okay, Lord, what can I learn from this today? Help me understand this. Help me to get it. And by singing his praises, by receiving his grace in the Lord's Supper, and you follow him, feeding your heart by remembering your baptism. This is a gift we just don't think about enough, but we need to think about it, and I would suggest, as Martin Luther said, daily, daily remember your baptism because a great promise was made to you on that day. That was the day you were also given a new spirit, Remember your baptism. Do it daily, and here's why. Because Satan comes to you daily. That's why he comes to you with other thoughts. With guilt, with shame, with a poison about your, your lack of faith. About how much you stink at rule following. And he did it again. And you kind of just want to sit in a corner and take a time out. That's what Satan does. He wants you to sit in a time out chair. So you just keep your mouth shut and you keep Jesus to yourself and you just sit in the corner there. He can't have your faith, but he'll take you out of the, he'll take you out of the race. He'll take you out of the game. 
and you just sit there with your self-pity and absolutely no good to anyone in the kingdom of God because you're just consumed about you. And you want to fight that off. You say, ah, no, no, no. I remember my baptism. And my, I may stink, but my Savior Jesus, who has done everything for me perfectly, lived my life, died my death, he made a promise to me that no one can snatch me out of his hand. So you need to come to the fount of every blessing every day. There's a great old hymn. Penned in the 1700s sometime. Way, way back, but come on. Does it not still apply to us today? It does. Who has not felt these words among us? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, oh God, take my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Yes, we feel it. We all feel that battle. That wrestling with our wandering hearts that are so prone to go the different directions, so prone to stray and leave the God we love. The war within us rages on. But one day, he promised to come back and take us to be with him so we may be where he is. And our hearts will be free from all this sinful nonsense <laughs> once and for all. But in the meantime, God is very much interested in your journey today. We're on a journey. So friends, don't, don't follow your heart. It's nonsense. Follow Jesus. Lead not on your own understanding. Your feelings won't guide you where you really need to go. But your Savior will. He is the way. And he is the truth. And he is the life. Graduates, as you are being sent off into the world, allow me to quote Shane Pruitt once more as he has re revised a version of Steve Jobs' graduation speech. Your time on earth is limited, so don't waste it listening to lies. Don't be trapped by the deceiver, which is the result of avoiding God's word. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out God's still small voice. And most important, have the courage to follow Jesus. He, he knows all you truly can become. Remember, he loves you. Everything else is secondary. I thank you for your time and listening. Uh, congratulations, one and all, and, and God's blessings. Amen. All right, and now we're going to sing it out. I mentioned, uh, oh, go. That's great. Hey, 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 uh, I mentioned an old song, the old 1700 song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and uh, 
I uh, put an instant request uh, to Greg, and he said, yeah, we can play that one. So we're going to do that. And I invite you to please rise. Let's do it. Let's sing. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for sharing in your word how we can follow Jesus. 